Spirit of the Lord is here today. Spirit of the Lord is moving in his house today, amongst his people today. Can you feel his presence? Can you feel his glory? The Lord is here with us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for sending your Holy Spirit, Lord, to be our comforter, to be our strength. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit, Lord, to be with us in our time of need. Lord, we thank you, O God, for each one that's taken baptism today. We just bless you, Lord God, for your work of grace in their lives. Father, now as we look into your word, we pray that you'd speak to us and that you would encourage us in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Good morning. The water was nice and warm. So if there's anybody still out there that needs to take baptism, water hasn't gotten spoiled yet. Okay. These past few weeks, we've been studying, uh, we've been working through a series called The Pharisee and Me, and looking at various aspects of the Pharisees that, are in, that's, that, was, that lived during Jesus' day, and things that can maybe creep up in our lives as well, aspects of Phariseeism that can be in us. And um, the title of today's message is When Pride Gets in Our Way, because one aspect of the, of the Pharisees is that they allowed pride to rule and, and in some senses really dominate their lives. There's a story of a, of a church that uh, the pastor actually wanted to find out who was the humblest person in church. I wonder if we tried to do that, what would happen? But anyways, they got a search committee together and they were looking around to find the humblest person in church. And they went and interviewed people and they got recommendations, no, so-and-so is humble and this, oh no, but this guy, he's really humble. You know, and they searched and searched and searched and finally they came to the place where they found the humblest person in church. And so the pastor called him into the office and said, you know, Brother Joe, just want to let you know that we searched diligently and we found that you are the humblest person in church. And so Brother Joe was so happy, he couldn't believe it. He was, he was humbled by the very fact that he was chosen. And so the pastor gave him this pin and this, this button that he could pin on himself and said, the humblest person in church. And so next, the following Sunday, Brother Joe walks into church with his pin right here, and he just walks up, and he, you know, he just wants to make sure that everyone can see that he was the winner of the humblest person contest. And that is how deceptive pride can be in our lives. And the moment that we think we've overcome, or the moment that we think we're humble, it'll come back to bite us. And so in Matthew chapter 23, uh, Pastor Kevin looked at a, a portion of this before, and it's actually from, uh, from verse 13 onwards, it talks about various woes that are there, or uh, frauds that Jesus was calling the Pharisees on, or basically saying, I've had it with you, Pharisees. But before that, from, from verses 1 to basically verse 12, he talks a little bit about the Pharisees, and he gives a very important lesson that all of us need to, need to understand. Um, and that's actually found in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 12. 
I don't know if this is working yet or not. I don't think so. Um, I think there's some technical difficulties for now. But Matthew 23 and verse 12 actually says, Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Okay? Remember that, because we're going to come to that, come to that verse a few different times uh, this morning. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he that humbles himself will, will be exalted. This actually is a kingdom principle. It's a principle of the kingdom of God that works actually very contrary to the way of the world, to the society that we live in today. In, in today's society, we're taught, push yourself forward, fight for your rights, get noticed, speak well of yourself if you want to get that promotion. Others need to see your good works, how well you do things. That's what society teaches us right now. Push yourself forward, get noticed, exalt yourself. But it's actually totally contrary to the kingdom of God and the principles of the kingdom of God. That we need to humble ourselves first if we are to be exalted. And the kingdom of God is, is, is so different than the kingdom of this world. We, we saw today in baptism how we die in order to live. Baptism is a, is a type of identifying with Christ's burial and also his, his resurrection. We, we sacrifice this Christian life in order to gain. We, we empty of ourselves so that the spirit of God, as we sang today, can fill us. We're, we're approached in order to be honored. We're persecuted to be glorified and we are humbled. We humble ourselves so that we can also be exalted. Christ can exalt us one day. And so these principles of the kingdom are in stark contrast to the way that the world works. So this is the verse, Matthew 23 and verse 12. If we, if we exalt ourselves, we're going to be humbled. But if we humble ourselves, we can be exalted. A few chapters before in Matthew chapter 18, the disciples came to Jesus asking, Jesus, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And maybe they were expecting an answer, well, you know, if you baptize a thousand people or, or, or get a thousand people converted, or maybe if you heal a hundred people, maybe the disciples said, well, what if I raise ten people from the dead, right? You know, will that make me the greatest in the kingdom of God? No. Because he says in Matthew 18 and verse 4, he says, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so the Lord wants to exalt us, the Lord wants to promote us, the Lord wants to honor us, but pride gets in our way. Pride gets in our way. Spiritual pride can get in our way. We all like to think well of ourselves, we all like to think that we're somebody, we can accomplish something, we're, we're good for something. You know, there's a story that's told of a, of a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, and uh, he pulled into the gas station in order to get gas, him and his wife, and he went to, to pay inside. And he noticed that his wife was speaking to the gas, tendant, uh, the gas service attendant. And it happened to be a guy that he had dated, she had dated years ago, right? And he, he had remembered that. And so when the CEO got back in the car and they drove off and, you know, it was quiet for a little bit. And then that CEO of that Fortune 500 company looked at his wife and said, I bet, I bet I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that you're glad you married me, the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, instead of that gas attendant. The wife looked back to him and said, no, I was thinking that if I'd married him, he'd be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, <laughs> and you would be the gas attendant. And, and, so, and, and so that's the nature that's the nature of man. 
That's the nature of ourselves, that we tend to exalt ourselves. We think so highly of ourselves. I can do this. It's because of me. I'm the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. And it's one of the things that the Pharisees as well, they were were very guilty of. And it can creep into our lives as well. Proverbs 8 verse 13 says, Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech, God says, I hate. I hate. Because the word of God says in James that God resists the proud. And he gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud. And he gives grace to the humble. So in, the, in, the, in, in Matthew chapter 23, in the 12 verses that precedes this kingdom principle in verse 13 that says, God resists the proud, or, God, uh, or those that humble themselves will be exalted, and those that exalt themselves will be humbled. Before that kingdom principle, in the previous verses, uh, Jesus outlines certain things about the Pharisees. And I want to just look at three things this morning. Three points here of what Jesus actually mentioned in these verses at the beginning part of Matthew 23 that talks about the Pharisees and their problem with pride. Because he outlines this and then he comes to this conclusion. Those that exalt themselves will be humbled. And those that humble themselves will be exalted. Number one, Matthew 23 and verse 3 says, For they preach, but do not practice. Now, I'm I'm here and I'm probably going to be guilty You know, right here, my first point. They preach, but they do not practice. You know, it's so easy for us to tell other people what to do. I'm I'm standing here doing that, I think, right? You know, it's so easy in our interactions with other people. It's so easy when we talk to others to tell people what to do. But the question is, do we apply those things in our lives? In those verses, in these verses after verse 3... Jesus tells, talks about the Pharisees and he says that they tie up heavy burdens on people. They overload the people with these burdens that, that they can't bear. And not even with one finger are they willing to remove those burdens upon the people. It was like a double standard that they were giving. You do this, but I'm not going to do that. They were holding the people to a standard that they themselves, many times, were not holding to. And so in our lives as well, we can be so critical of other people. We can be, we can be fault finding with other people. We can preach to others, but we don't practice it ourselves. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 3 and 4, Jesus is talking about certain principles here. And he talks about how when you look at your brother and you see a speck in his eye and you want to pull it out, but you don't realize that there's actually a beam in your own eye. And Jesus says, first take the beam out of your own eye, then you'll see clearly to take the speck. Out of your brother's eye. Matthew 7, verse 3 and 4. And so we see, it's so easy for us to see the worst in other people. And so we preach to them, but we don't do it for ourselves. We see something bad and negative in another person. Oh, you shouldn't do that and this and that. And we preach to them, but we don't do it ourselves. It's so easy for us to be critical of other people. And this is rooted in pride. Because we think we're better than other people. We think that we're, you know, we're something. We're up here and all these guys are down here. And it's, it's, it's an attitude of Phariseeism that we have to be very careful because they were living that out. You know, in the, in the, in the Great Awakening in, in America in the 1700s, there were two evangelists from England, uh, George Whitfield and John Wesley. They, 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 uh, they preached the gospel in England and in America and, and thousands and thousands of people got saved. But George Whitfield and, and John Wesley, they, they had a few uh, doctrinal differences 
here and there. And, uh, and so, but they were very careful that they did not want to create a division in the public so that the preaching of the gospel would be hindered. And so one person came to George Whitfield and asked him, asked him, do you think you would see John Wesley in heaven? Do you know what his reply was? He said, I fear not, for he will be so near the eternal throne, and we at such a distance, we shall hardly get sight of him. Can you see how he exalted the other person? Instead of being critical and saying, oh yeah, John Wesley, he's not going to get to heaven. He doesn't know what he's doing. He said, no, he's going to be so close to Jesus in comparison to how far I'm going to be. And he, he, he honored him in that sense. How many of us can do the same? You know, pride keeps a detailed list of everything other people have done wrong. Pride keeps a detailed list. It's, oh, yeah, you did this, you did this, you did this. And the Pharisees, you know, they, their pride caused them to make so many rules and regulations. They put burdens on the people that they themselves couldn't, couldn't keep. Sometimes we might do that in our own families. Maybe you tell your children, you got to eat your veggies. Make sure you eat your veggies. But we have our chocolate stash, you know, as well here. No one, no one knows where that is, right? Maybe we condemn others for getting angry and losing their temper. But, on a daily ba- but it's a daily occurrence for us. Can you see how so many times we can hold others to a standard that we don't even hold to our own selves? In John chapter 8, the, the Pharisees, they brought to Jesus a woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. And they brought it, her to Jesus and said, Jesus, this woman caught in the act of adultery, we should stone her, right? Jesus, that's what the law says, stone her. And so Jesus looked at them and he just said very calmly, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone. Very quietly, one by one, they all left because then they realized and they remembered their own shortcomings and their own failures. And they walked away. They were ready to preach to her what Moses said, but they didn't realize that they themselves were faltering and failing. And so we have to be very careful. Don't let pride get in our way. Don't let spiritual pride get in our way. But let's humble ourselves and let God exalt us in due time. Number two, Matthew 23 and verse 5. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. I wonder how many of us fall into this trap as well. This aspect of pride actually leads to self-deception. When we do things just to be seen of others, it's because we want to be exalted. We want to be esteemed. We want others to know our good works. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talked about the Pharisees, and he said certain things that the Pharisees were doing just so that other people could see them. The Pharisees would make long prayers so everyone could say, oh, wow, look at such a godly man. They served the poor just so that others could see them. They obeyed the scriptures just so that others could see them. They fasted and prayed just so that others could see them. And these things are not, necess- these are not wrong things. But the intention and motive was wrong. Not praying, not helping the poor, not, not serving others with a good motive, but just so that others could see the good works they had. You know, we're living in a 
in a, in a generation that's very uh, egotistical, a, a generation that's very narcissistic with social media, Facebook and Instagram and things like that. You know, these are great carriers of this aspect that they do their deeds to be seen of others. You know, you see so many pictures and you see things of great accomplishments and winning races and winning this and that and, and all of these things. And they're not inherently wrong. Please don't get me wrong. They're not, they're not wrong or bad things. But the question is, are we doing those things just so that others can see and that we can be affirmed? What is the intention and motive behind that? Is it because, oh, that other family member did that, so now I have to do it and i got to post it up as well so everyone can see? And it comes back down to this point of just the saying, keeping up with the Joneses. Well, if the Jones are doing it, i got to do it. And I want everyone else to know about it as well. You know, it's, it's very rare that you would see, you know, a post that says, amazing, I came in second last. Right? It's not very popular. You don't want people to know that. If you got in first, yeah, you're going to have all sorts of pictures out there. Right? Again, it's not inherently wrong. The question is, is the question of our motives. Right? We can be volunteering at a homeless, homeless shelter. could do, be doing some charity work, helping the needy. These are great things. But what is the motive behind those? The Pharisees were doing good things. They were praying. They were fasting. They were helping others. They were trying to live godly lives. But their intention and motive was wrong, and Jesus called them out on it. And he said they do their deeds to be seen by others. And how about us? We can do so many good things, but will Jesus call us out on it and say, yeah, but you're doing it just so that others can know about it, just so you can get the praise of others, so you can be extolled by others, appreciated by others, and not out of love for me and because it is my will for your life. And in obedience to the word of God. Jesus said, don't let your right hand know, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. In Luke chapter 18, there's a, a parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee, they both went up into the temple to pray. And as they went to pray, the Pharisee made this big, huge prayer, but his prayer was just based about himself and his good works. He said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector looked to the Lord and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, that man, that tax collector, went home justified, not the, not the Pharisee. You know the interesting thing? Matthew chapter 23, uh, sorry, Luke chapter 18 in that parable, he ends that parable with this verse. See if you can recognize it, okay? All right? Get your thinking hats on here. See if you can recognize this verse. He ends the parable on this verse. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Again, the same verse. The same theme in Jesus rebuking and scolding the Pharisees. Saying, you do all your deeds to be seen of men. If you exalt yourself, you're going to be humbled. If you humble yourself, you will be Exalted, And in this parable as well, the same thing. Are we doing things just so that others can see us? Just so that others can appreciate us? You know, uh, Ravi Zacharias tells the story of a man named Leighton Ford. He was a, an evangelist, a worldwide evangelist. He was actually the brother-in-law to Billy Graham. He married Billy Graham's sister. 
And uh, one day he was after, after a crusade or something like that, he was going home and he was so tired and he, he got on the plane and he was just hoping that, you know, the seat next to him would be free because he just wanted to relax on the plane ride home. He was so exhausted and tired. And so he sat down there and as the plane was just about, uh, you know, to close the doors to get to, to leave, the stewardess brought an old lady that was 96 years old. And sat her down right beside Leighton Ford and said, and said, Mr. Ford, can you please make sure that she's okay during the flight? And that was the last thing he wanted to hear because he just wanted to go to sleep and rest. But anyway, she was seated beside him. And as, you know, the flight started and he thought, you know, I'll, you know, have a conversation with her and talk to her. He was an evangelist, you know, so he started to talk about Jesus and Christianity. And so then she, he found out that she was a Christian, been a Christian for many years. And so then he took the opportunity, you know, to say, you know, have you heard of Billy Graham? And she's like, no. And he was shocked. This woman's been a Christian for so many years, never heard of Billy Graham, my brother-in-law. And, and so then he, start, he, he said it in a different way, and he said, you know Billy Graham, the guy that goes and preaches all over, has these big crusades, and you know, he goes all over the world? No, never heard of him. And he was so, he was so shocked, he couldn't believe it. Anyways, when the flight landed and he got home and he, he went to Billy Graham and he told Billy Graham, you'll never believe what happened. I met this lady. She was 96 years old, being a Christian for so many years. And she's never heard of you at all. And Billy Graham just smiled. You know what he said? He said, isn't it wonderful that there are so many people who don't know who I am, but who know who Jesus is? That's the attitude that we need to have. It's not about us. It's not about what we can do. But it's about knowing Jesus and walking with him. We don't do our deeds to be seen of men. We do them to obey God and bring glory to him. Number three, Matthew chapter 23 and verse 11. The greatest among you shall be your servant. The greatest among you shall be your servant. See, the Pharisees had the total opposite concept. They wanted to be the greatest. They didn't want to be the servant. They wanted to be the greatest. Just a few verses before verse 11, Jesus calls them out and he tells them. He says, these Pharisees, you know what they want? They want the place of honor at feasts. They want the best seats in the synagogues. They want greetings in the marketplace. They want to be called rabbi, which means teacher or instructor. That's what they want. They want the greatest place. And Jesus says, no, no, no. The greatest among you shall be your servant. The greatest among you shall be your servant. They didn't want to be the servant. They didn't want to have the lowly place. They wanted the place of honor and respect. And many times we're like that as well. We want that place of honor. We want that place of respect. Winston Churchill once was asked, doesn't it thrill you to know that every time you make a speech, the hall is packed to overflowing? And he said, it's quite flattering. But whenever I feel that way, I always remember that if instead of making a political speech, I was being hanged, the crowd would be twice as big. (laughs) That brought some humility to his mind. Because we could do so many things. We could have that, that, that seat of honor. We could have that, you know, that, that place in the, in the synagogue or in the temple. We could have that place that the Pharisees wanted. The greetings in the marketplace. But it's not about that. Because the principle of the kingdom of God is about servanthood. We serve. We humble ourselves. The greatest will be the servant of all. 
If we humble ourselves, then Christ will exalt us. Jesus taught this service and humility when the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the whole universe, the, the, the God that has all power and all authority, the God that was omnipresent and omniscient, the God that could do anything that he wanted to do, the God that breathed into life uh, creation and gave man the breath of life, the living God, he bent down and washed the feet of his disciples and modeled for us what humility and service really is. To teach us that the key to leadership is humility. In Luke chapter 14 and verse 7 to 11 is another parable that Jesus tells about a wedding feast. And he says, when you go to a wedding, you know, we're coming to the summertime and, you know, there's so many weddings probably going to be taking place. And he says, you know, when you go to a wedding feast, don't go and sit in the best place. Because if you go and sit in the best place and somebody else of greater honor comes, then what's going to happen? The guy at the wedding will say, hey, you know, can you move? There's another guy here that I want to put in this place of honor. And so you're kicked out of that place. And with all shame and humiliation, you end up taking the lowest place. So Jesus says, instead, take the lowest place. Now, when everyone else comes, the person, the, the person in charge of the wedding feast will say, hey, why are you seated there? Come, come, come. I want to give you a place of greater honor. I want to give you a place of, of, of honor of, of, uh, uh, that others will extol where you are. And so the Pharisees, you know, they understood it totally different. They wanted the best places. And to end off this parable in Luke chapter 14, do you know what verse, do you know what Jesus says again to end off this parable? I think you might be able to guess. Luke 14 verse 11, to end this parable, Jesus says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Again, the same verse, the same theme, the same principle of the kingdom of God that is totally contrary to the kingdom of this world, to the culture that we live in, that we humble ourselves in order to be exalted. The Pharisees, they wanted the best place. They wanted to be the greatest. Their attitude was always to be in the forefront. They wanted everyone to know that they were the Pharisees, they were the teachers, they were the rabbis. You know, I know of a, of a man here, this was some, many years ago here in Toronto, and uh, he had come from another country, and he had uh, landed here as an immigrant, and he was working uh, in a factory, and he was very faithful to work. He was a, he was a Christian man, and he, he did his work as, as unto the Lord. But little by little, as they started to hire other people, they started to promote people higher than him. He stayed in that same place, and they hired new people, and they were promoted, and others were promoted, and like that, and he was really getting frustrated. He couldn't understand, why is this going on? And so as, the, as this was happening so many times, time and time again, after some years, you know, he decided, forget this, I can't deal with this anymore, I'm going back to my home country. I can't deal with this winter either, you know? And so he decided, I'm going to go and talk to the pastor before I go. And he went and he, he, he met with the pastor that morning. He said, Pastor, I need to talk to you. And he went and he spoke with the pastor and said, look, I just can't deal with this anymore. And, this is, and he explained the whole story. The pastor just prayed for him. And he went there ready to talk to his boss and say, I quit. And so he walked into the factory and he went to find his boss. And before he could say anything, the boss said, oh, we want to speak to you. And he was thinking, yeah, good. I want to speak to you too. 
And they brought him into the office and he sat down on one side of the table and the boss was on the other side of the table. And before he could say a word, the boss was told him, we've been watching you. We've been seeing your reaction when other people have been promoted over you. And we see how you've worked. And they tossed a pair of keys on the other, to him across the table, said, we're opening up another factory on this side of the city. We want you to run the whole place. And in a moment, he went to running a whole new factory. He kept his place. Even though he was unjustly treated, God exalted him in due time. We read in the scripture reading from from Philippians 2 about the mind of Christ, how he humbled himself. And that's the same kind of mind that we should have. That's the same kind of spirit and attitude that we should have, is to humble ourselves and have that mind of Christ. There was a time when the disciples came to Jesus and said, and they were arguing with, another, with one another, saying, who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom? And Jesus' reply in Matthew chapter 20, verse 26 to verse uh, 28 says, um, but who, who, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the attitude of Christ. This is the spirit of Christ. This is the way that Christ wants us to live in a spirit of service. Not like the Pharisees. Many times the Pharisees can be inside of us. The Pharisee in me. Maybe these attitudes, these spirits maybe are inside of us. We think we're better than others. And we preach to others and we don't do it ourselves. And we do our works just to be seen of others. And we want to be the greatest. But we don't understand this aspect of servanthood. And I just want to close today just with a, with a poem. And uh, it's a poem by a guy named St. Francis of Assisi. And, um, and in this poem, it uh, talks about having a, a humble heart. And uh, some of these things that he says here in this, in this poem is very difficult. It's very hard. But I believe it's something that we should try to apply. It says, O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me, deliver me, Jesus, from the desire of being loved, from the desire of being extolled, from the desire of being honored, from the desire of being praised, from the desire of being preferred to others, from the desire of being consulted, from the desire of being approved. O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me, deliver me, Jesus, from the fear of being humiliated, from the fear of being despised, from the fear of suffering, from the fear of being forgotten, from the fear of being ridiculed, from the fear of being wronged, from the fear of being suspected. And Jesus, grant me the desire, grant me the grace to desire that others might be loved more than I, that others may be esteemed more than I, that in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease, that others may be chosen and I set aside, that others may be praised and I unnoticed, that others may be preferred to me in everything, that others may become holier 
than I, provided that I become as holy as I should. A very challenging prayer, a very challenging prayer to live our lives from the inside out. It's not about what we do on the outside. Those things are important. But let it come forth from intentions and motives that are pure in our heart. Let's love God with all of our heart. Let's love God. We we failed so many times, but His mercy still remains. We stumble, we fail, but God catches us by His grace. God's purpose always remains that we should live for the praise of His glory. Let's live for the glory of God. God bless you.